Matthew chapter 24. Let us read verse uh, verse 3, and then we'll skip down to verse 36. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? When shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? Verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the hymns and psalms that we've already been able to sing. We thank you for the reading of thy word. Lord, we're reminded this morning, Lord, of the brevity of this present life. Lord, it reminds us as well of your word that said, is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Lord, I pray in the light of these things, Lord, as these things are so near our hearts, I pray that you'd help us to hear what the Spirit says unto this church this morning. For, Lord, there is coming a day of judgment. And, Lord, I pray that, Father, you'd help us as your children to learn what Christ is teaching us in this passage of scriptures that we might be more faithful in these most perilous times and follow the example of Noah, who preached faithfully for 120 years in spite of the abundant wickedness and evilness which surrounded him. Lord, he was moved with fear and built an ark, the saving of his family. Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd speak to those this morning that know not Christ. I pray that, Lord, you'd help them, Lord, to see and understand how it was in the days of Noah so they might see now how it is today so that they might recognize the signs. And seeing these things, as our passage of Scripture tells us, they shall know that he is near, even at the doors. I pray, Father, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified this day. May you bring many souls unto you. And, Lord, may you comfort your children. We love you and we thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I studied this passage of Scripture over the last few weeks, I stood amazed at the fact that Here we stand this morning in the year of 2023 and find ourselves reading these words of Christ which were first spoken centuries ago, which I believe to be the greatest evidence of God's amazing long-suffering and patience towards sinners. From the days of Noah... 
the world at that time received only 120 years reprieve after God had announced that he would destroy all flesh from the face of the earth. Yet here we stand this morning, centuries after Christ speaks these words and his disciples, and yet the Lord still lingers. Judgment still waits. The long-suffering of God is still waiting. And sinners are still rejecting and refusing Christ. Do you realize this morning, if you're here without Christ, or you hear my voice, and you're without Christ, do you realize how long God has withheld his hand of judgment over the world? Do you realize that it's been centuries since Christ spoke of the coming of the Son of Man and the end of the world? Countless sermons have been preached on this text. Multitudes have been warned of the coming of the Son of God and the end of the world, and still judgment lingereth, while the long-suffering of God waiteth, as in the days of Noah. Yet the lingering of God's judgment has greatly emboldened the scoffers who cry, where is the promise of his coming? For centuries now, the church has been preaching about the coming of the Son of God and the end of the world, and yet here we are today, centuries later, and God's judgment still lingers. The scoffers and sinners have become emboldened in their arrogance and in their rejection and in their ignorance. And together they cry out, where is the promise of His coming? His lingering judgment has hardened the infinite heart of the sinner, Paul said in Romans, who treasureth up on himself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Can you imagine the people as they surrounded Moses as he built that ark for 120 years, what they would say, where is the promise of this coming judgment which you so boldly and clearly preach. The lingering of God's judgment has also greatly tried the faith and patience of God's elect who cry out, like we sang in that psalm, how long, O Lord. Yet Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, yet the Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sounds like something even Noah could have been preaching as he was building the ark. Look, the Lord has told me to build an ark to the saving of your souls. Look at what I'm building here. And I'm telling you, coming judgment is coming because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And yet I can still hear him continuing on what Peter says in Second Peter 3, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
you can almost hear these same words spoken by Manoah in those days when the wickedness of men was great and the imagination of their thoughts only evil continually as Noah faithfully continued to build the ark and speak of a judgment which the world thought was new and false. But as the days of Noah were, listen to the words of Christ, as the days of Noah were, our Lord wants us to consider the days of Noah. Now, I don't know a lot of things. But I do know that everything in Scripture centers around Christ. Not so much man's needs as it does Christ. And I believe that everything that happened in the days of Noah was a preparation or a foreshadow of the gospel dispensation. And everything that God told Noah to do was a picture or a type of salvation in Christ. <clears throat> what is awe-inspiring about the stories in the Old Testament, especially Noah and even Sodom and Gomorrah, is that God would destroy an entire world. in order to prove that there's only one name under heaven whereby man must be saved, but also prove the great devastation that awaits those who reject and deny Christ. In the days of Noah, there was a pronounced and certain judgment coming. We were in Genesis chapter 6. I want you to see something. Genesis chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. I want you to remember that. We'll be coming back to that phrase. In chapter 5, the righteous are dying off. In chapter 6 verse 1, sinful man is beginning to multiply. And with his multiplication, wickedness and evilness. And the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. There are a lot of theories about who the sons of God were in this whole story here. Mixed multitudes. God is never sanctified, because you get irreligion when that happens. 
And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth. Now watch this. And it grieved him at his heart. Now we know that God has no body parts. God is spirit. And yet here the Holy Spirit would have us understand that God repented, not in a way like we do, which is regretting something, but God repented that he had made man on the earth, and it says it grieved him at his heart. First time you find the word grieved, and it's God who's grieving in the Bible. And Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. There was a pronounced certain judgment coming. Yet watch in verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One man finds grace in the eyes of the Lord in the midst of all this wickedness. Now why is that so important? Well, because this one man, God would appoint to hang around for 120 years as he builds an ark to preach. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But never underestimate God's grace in allowing you to sit under the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it can be such a rich blessing or it could end up to be the most devastating and most dismal thing you ever did. Because either it will be a savor unto life, unto life, or a savor of death unto death. The gospel will either call you out of sin and corruption unto Christ, or the gospel will rise out to condemn, rise up to condemn you. It had been better, Peter said, that you'd never heard the knowledge of the truth than to hear it and to walk away from God. So you see, you're either blessed or cursed. Oh, and how many, how many souls have sat under Good preaching of the Word of God, only to walk away. What darkness awaits them? If Judas went to his own place, what does that mean for those who've heard the gospel and rejected it? What does that mean for you? Where shall you go? Oh, never underestimate when God raises up men of God to preach. But as we'll see, not today but later, but as we'll see, God began taking in chapter 5 the righteous away to where suddenly when it comes down to the 120 years coming to an end, there's only one man left, one voice left, one voice left. Lamech, Noah's dad died five years before the flood, five years Noah preached, five last final years Noah preached. He was the only one left. He was the only one, the only voice they could hear. And he preached as he began finishing up those last pieces of the ark and I wonder I wonder if with each piece that they laid on that ark Noah's pleas and cries did not greatly excel it's almost finished we're putting on the last touches don't you see can't you grasp this look before your very own eyes the ark is being built the only place the only way of salvation is being built and the very last pieces are be putting together and you still deny and reject what I've been preaching for 115 years? Do 
the believer has great encouragement in the person of Noah, which we'll look at next week, and I'm looking forward to that because I hope and pray it encourages us in these latter days as God's people not to be discouraged by the amount of wickedness which abounds amongst us like it did in the days of Noah, not to be discouraged because the righteousness are on the decrease as it was in the days of Noah. We need to keep our eyes fixed on God. You see, one of our problems is is we look to ourselves and what we want rather than what God wants and God's glory. If we don't fix our hearts and our minds solely upon the glory of God, nothing in this, every, there's so many things in this life that will cause us to fail and fall and crumble. We've got to keep our hearts and our minds on the glory of God above all things. How easy would it have been for Noah to simply quit building the ark out of frustration? You see, there's a lot we can learn out of the days of Noah. God pronounced a certain judgment. You've got 120 years. I ask you a question. What if God came to you and said you had five years? Five years. He's given them 120 years. That wasn't bad back in them days. They were living for over hundreds of years. So it wasn't like, well, okay, there would be a couple of generations. No, they, they were living pretty long back then. Look at chapter 5, how long some of these men lived. Of course, as you read through there, you'll find out that the ages begin being limited and limited and limited. But they were 120 years wasn't, wasn't a long time back then. God said, you have 120 years. I've had enough of it. I'll not always strive with men. The end of all flesh has come before my eyes. Yet he would provide an ark. Listen to me. Listen to me, you that know not Christ. Yet he would provide an ark and a preacher. Is that the mercy and grace of God? He would provide an ark and a preacher. And a stay of judgment. While the ark was being prepared and the voice of his preacher proclaiming the only way of salvation. That is the amazing grace of God in our text. We take in this generation so many things for granted. Not willing that any should perish. Like I said before, it's no small act of mercy when God raises up his preachers of righteousness in the midst of evil and wickedness. And yet, it's an act of God's judgment when God begins removing those oracles of God. And I won't get into it this week, but next week, but we wonder why so few churches are around. It's going to get worse. If it is as in the days of Noah, and we'll look at it next week, read chapter 5, and he died, 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 and he died. The righteous were being taken away for the coming judgment. Let us not be surprised when churches are far and few between 
And when many preachers are leaving the scene, or when God removes many preachers and brings up not new ones, it's happening before our eyes. We've spoke about this many times here in our prayer meetings. It's happening before our very eyes. Churches are closing. Pastors are quitting. I'm not saying they're all pastors, but they say 1,500 pastors a month quit. Not saying they're all pastors, but I'm just simply saying that's the situation we're living. As in the days of Noah, we see the days of Noah, and that's what I want to do this morning. Is I want you to understand and look as it was in the days of Noah, so that you might be aware of what's going on, and that you might at least realize these things are taking place. You might not, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself. You might not believe the message, and you might not believe there's a spiritual ark being prepared, which is Christ's church, and when he's finished, he's going to end this thing. You might not believe that, but if you'll take just a few minutes and follow me this morning and look at the condition of this world in comparison to the days of Noah, you can't but admit the world is getting very wicked and hopeless. And if you at least come to that point, hopefully you'll be like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress who says, I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going, but I know I'm living in a city that's bound for destruction. I must flee this city of destruction and find hope and help and salvation. We want to indoctrinate sinners in the theology of, uh, of, of God before we get them to understand your need of Christ. Your need is of Christ. Do you understand that your, the judgment of God is hanging above your head at this very moment? Do you understand that at any moment God could come back and like in the days of the flood, sweep you away into eternity forever and ever? That's how quick it can happen if you would just begin to understand as it was in the days of Noah. At least that. After 120 years of preparing an ark, countless sermons by Noah, and the waiting of God's long-suffering, the whole earth perishes in a deep, dark, watery grave from which they never returned. I've seen but few pictures of artists who've tried to depict that day, and there's one in, I remember above all, which probably fit it to the T. Do you realize that it was like darkness on that day? There was no sun shining. There was clouds. It was dark clouds. You ever been... We're seeing a day when all the clouds were pitch dark. I mean, it looked like the whole day was dark and the water's coming and waving. And they went to a watery grave. Man, woman, and child. Not one would survive who was outside that ark. Not one. God didn't hear their cries. God didn't hear their pleas. God didn't hear their cries of mercy. God swept them all away. Because for 120 years, they ignored and rejected him. Like I said, today we're reminded of the brevity of life. I'm going to a funeral later. 
And like I said, in praying, Hebrew says there's a point in a demand wants to die and then the judgment. There's no, after death, there's no chance. There's no second chance. You can't, when you die, it's over. These individual cases are just a small picture of what's going to happen when the Son of Man comes back. It won't be just an individual here or there. It's going to be the entire world as in the days of Noah. So I pray you listen just a few minutes this morning, and I hope and pray that you'll at least begin to consider. And some of you are very young. You don't know how the world was 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I don't need to tell you how it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think most of you are smart enough to realize the world is getting to be a very wicked and vile place. as in the days of Noah. And I'm wondering if this could be the year when the Son of Man cometh in the end of the world. Preacher, they've been saying that for years. Well, that just means we're one year closer. Remember what our Lord said in Matthew, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. That's not... That's a willing ignorance, not an unknown ignorance. You following me? What's the difference? They were willingly ignorant. They knew. How could they not? There's an ark being built before their eyes. There's a preacher there. They knew. It was willing ignorance. Man is willingly ignorant. That's what Peter says too. They're willingly ignorant that the world then, out of water, in water, willingly, willingly ignorant. They knew it. They just were willingly ignorant. That's why the Lord said, when you shall see these things, we shall know that he or it is near. In Matthew 24, when you shall see these things, we shall know that it or he is near even at the doors. As in the day of Noah. How was it in the day of Noah? In verse 5 of Genesis chapter 6. Let me show you something. Stay with me. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's a wicked man, God. Listen to me. Creation was yet in its infancy. Some say it wasn't even over a thousand years old. Adam knew Noah's grandfather. Adam seen the repercussions of his sin. On man. Adam seen that. The earth, the world, creation was his infancy. Yet the poison of Adam's sin had so corrupted and so defiled all flesh that it repented the Lord that he made man on earth. And the Bible says, the Bible says continually, that's how wicked, corrupt, and depraved man had become. People say they don't believe in the total depravity of man. Well, you are not reading your Bible. I don't have time to get into it, just, but just to think the transformation that took place because of sin. When God created man in his own image, man was perfect and upright. Perfect and upright. 
And what sin did made him the complete opposite of what God is. That's where you're at right now. No amount of goodness, moral goodness, no amount of kindness, acts of kindness, nothing, nothing you do can ever make you perfect before God. Because everything that you are is what God hates as a sinner. Everything you do is what God hates. You see, this was the picture, a description of the men back in the days of Noah, but man hasn't changed. Let me have you look a little bit further into yourself. Outwardly, we fool people, but what about that imagination in your mind? What about those thoughts you have? What about those wicked things that goes on in your heart and mind that no other person sees or hears? Those wicked acts you do when no one's around, when you're by yourself. What about all those things? You see, man is still just as wicked and depraved. That's all against you. And God saw. You see, we might not see. But God sees. He knows the very heart, the very thought of each and every one of our. He saw. I'm sure when Noah looked around and seen, there was probably some people that did some good moral things and probably lived a little bit good in front of others. But God said, no, I look upon the heart. And what I see in the heart is nothing but thoughts of evil continually. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Surely the world today is not as sinful and evil as in the days of Noah, right? Which amazes me because God says, I'm going to wipe man off the flesh because he's become evil. And, and so God destroys the whole world, saves eight people. But it's not long after Noah, after Noah lands on land and men begin to multiply that man falls in the same thing again. You see, God didn't sanctify man with the flood. He destroyed all those that were evil. He just simply destroyed them in one swipe. The world can't be that bad, can it? Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, as in the days of Noah. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written... Now listen to how God describes every man, woman, and child in this world. Look at this. sounds like Genesis chapter 6. There is none righteous, no, not one. Not one. Preacher, how do I get into heaven? You've got to be just as righteous as God. Oh, nobody can do that. You're right. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There's none that understand it. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You say, preacher, I do good things. I help my brothers and my sisters. I help my family. I do good things. It doesn't matter. In accordance to God and his standards, you don't do one good thing. 
You can't. It's impossible. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues, with their tongues they have used to see, the poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Surely the world is not as it was in the days of Noah. Uh, it is. And if you'll follow me this morning, I hope and pray that you'll come to the same conclusion Scripture does. It's even worse than in the days of Noah. Do you believe that? It's even worse. It's even worse. And yet God still delays His judgment. You're living in a world that's already bound for destruction. Do you know that? You're living in a world that's going to be destroyed. Pilgrim was right when he said it's a city of destruction. You're living in a condemned world. It's already been condemned, as in the days of Noah, 120 years. You're living in a world, and you're living under God's condemnation. Judgment has been set. If I could just get you to start thinking about that. Just start thinking about that. My, how that could lead you to Christ. Some people say, well, you've got to convince men they're sinners first. I don't think you need to convince men they're sinners. I think men need to realize that they are sinners. Because I don't, I don't think, to be honest with you, even somebody who claims to be an atheist, even, even him. I mean, every man knows his own heart. Listen to me. You know your own heart. I don't need to convince you that you're wicked and that you have vile thoughts and that you, you have sin dwelling. I don't need to, think, need to convince you of that. You live with yourself. You know yourself. I don't need to prove that to you. We're in Job chapter 15, as in the days of Noah. I like what Martin Luther once said. He said, God has given every man a conscience. And if sinful man would just but listen to his conscience, he'd flee to Christ. That's the mercy and grace of God. Do you know why you feel under conviction when you hear the Word of God preached? Do you know why you feel that way? It's because God was gracious enough to give you a conscience. And when the Word of God enters into the heart and mind and the Holy Spirit begins to strike at that conscience, you either repel against that Will you accept that and admit that and confess that? God is good. Do you know that? God is good. Job 15, verse 14. What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. Behold, he putteth no true trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his, eye, in his sight. How much more abominable, that's a big word, isn't it? Abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. 
It's after the flood. Romans is after the flood. Is the world any worse today than it was in Noah's day? No, it's worse. Kind of paradox, I don't know. No, it's worse. First John says, we know that we are of God. That's Noah. We know we're of God and the world lieth. The whole world, the whole world, the whole world lieth in wickedness. With the multiplying of sinful man upon the face of the earth, the Bible says iniquity also multiplied. Do you see these things? I mean, even if you don't want to admit that the world is in such a bad condition, be honest with yourself and your own heart. For though sin has corrupted every generation, I'm not saying that sin hasn't been in every generation. Sin has corrupted every generation. And it seems like every generation says, well, this generation is worse than last generation. Have you noticed the increase of the measure of wickedness and evilness amongst men today? I know, like I said, I know some of you are young. You don't remember what it was 20, 30 years ago. But I'm telling you, have you noticed the increase of the measure of wickedness and evil amongst men today? Man's getting so evil and wicked. Even if we try to seclude ourselves or hide ourselves from what goes on around us in the world, you can't hide yourself from the wickedness of man. Some people believe they can do that. They, you know, like a like an ostrich, they can put their head in the sand and pretend it's all not there, and it'll go away. That's not going to happen. If you believe not as yet the messengers of God or that spiritual ark, namely Christ's church, is being built, then at least look out amongst mankind and see how the wickedness and sinfulness of man abounds and increases daily. What did the Lord say in Matthew 24? There'll be wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of things going on. I mean, anybody in their right mind, even the strongest most faithful Christian, if you read chapter 24 and 25 of Matthew, you can't help but believe or, or sense a sense of, of, of awe and, and, and reverence when you hear about all these things that's happening in the world with wars and famines and pestilences. Men shall be haters of themselves, offend one another. The love of many shall wax cold because iniquity abounds everywhere. There's got to be a sense of awe in there somewhere, even for the strongest Christian, that all these things are happening in the world. Is it as in the days of Noah? I say no, it's worse. Man was always wicked. They said last year alone, those who got caught, anyway, there was more that didn't get caught, but they have 350 registered, registered sexual offenses from teachers from kindergarten to 12 in public schools. 350 last year alone. Those are the ones that got caught. 350. 
people don't simply kill one another nowadays. Now we find them cutting them up in pieces and putting them in bags. Mothers driving their car into the lakes with their children in the back seat. Families going home and shooting everybody in the family and then killing themselves. Oh, man, has always been sinful, but man, I'm telling you, it is on the rise. The wickedness and depravity of man is on the rise to a great, great extent. If you can't see that, then I question where you're looking. As in the days of Noah, how was it in the days of Noah? Wickedness and evilness abounded everywhere to the point God said, it repents me that I have made man. And it grieves me at my heart, and therefore I'm going to destroy him. Now think about this for a minute. God seen that and said, I'm going to give you 120 years. After 120 years, the flood came. They knew it not. God took them all away. It's 120 years. It's been centuries since Christ spoke these words as in the days of Noah, and God's judgment still lingers. If a deluge, a worldwide flood, was the consequences after 120 years of God's long-suffering, let me ask you a question. How is the wrath of God after centuries of sinful man's rejection and rebellion against God? What shall be the wrath of God to the extent then? Peter says the world shall be burned up in a fervent heat. God shall come, Christ shall come back with avenging fire. And it's to the point where Revelation says people will cry out to the rocks and the hills, hide us from the face of him who sitteth on the throne. Can you imagine the measure of God's wrath after centuries when after 120 years it was a worldwide flood? Christ hadn't even been crucified yet. Now he has. It is finished. The only mediator between God and man sits on the right hand of the Father, and yet the world still, still rejects. The voice of God's messengers and the building of the ark. How shall it fare with you? Back over in Matthew chapter 24. When you look at all the pedophiles and the LGBT movement and all the things going on in the world, I'm telling you, the sinfulness of man is reaching a peak that it's never reached before. And child of God, we're living in that. That's why I want to look at Noah next week because I think we can be encouraged by Noah. You know, it amazes me the most about Noah, a few things, but if uh, these few things amaze me the most about Noah, that after 120 years, Noah could still get on the ark. The other thing is that after 120 years, his children got on with him. That's an accomplishment. Do you know that? His children. What did Noah do right that we're not doing right? Didn't happen a lot. 
not lost a lot of his children, remember? He went to his daughters who got married, and they, they see, he seemed as one that mocked. Two daughters came out, and we know the result of that. But don't be so hard on Lot. Lot was still a righteous man. That's God's testimony of Lot. Sometimes we're too hard on Lot. Okay? Lot was still a righteous man. But Noah's children got on him in that ark. In the midst of all that wick, oh, preacher, you don't understand. The world's so hard. It tugs at my, my children's heart. It's kind of hard to fight against it. Ask Noah how he did it. Ask Noah how he did it. Matthew 24, 38. Present days to Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving to marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. All the way up to the day Noah entered into the ark. You, you need to remember that because that's vitally important. There, all the way up to the day that Noah entered into the ark. He got into the ark, the Lord closed the door, and they still didn't care. Just like you. you come to church, you hear the messenger. You hear the uh, the voice, the messenger of God's sermon, God's preacher. You see uh, the ark building and Christian lives in the church. You see how they're ex ex exhorting one another, loving one another. You see the Christian love they have with one another. You have all these things before you. You have them before your eyes. They're right before your very eyes. You're, you're, you're blessed with hearing the preaching of the gospel. And yet, like them, you walk away, you... Leave the building, you go home, and you remain the same as you always have been. I'm young. I have time. Do you? And even if God does allow you to live years longer, let me tell you what's going to happen. Either the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, will soften your heart or it will harden your heart. Do you know that? Listen to me, I believe that's true. A lot of times we look at the Gospel as always being just a positive thing, but I'm telling you it can be a very deadful, a very, a very threatening thing. It will either soften your heart or you'll get to hear it so often that you'll harden your heart so much that it's going to be talent. That's what Paul said in Romans. He said, after, you've, after your heart and impotent heart, treasure up wrath against the day of wrath. You're despisers of the goodness and long-suffering and mercies of God. That's what happens. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Listen to this. Matthew 24 said they knew not. They knew. They were willingly ignorant. Paul mentions the same thing here. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. You've heard that. You, I'm, I'm, I'm worthy of death. What the Bible has been saying, what the preacher's been preaching, I'm aware, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm not worthy and I'm, 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 it's worthy of death what I'm doing. I'm aware of that. Not only do the same, they don't stop doing it, Here's the condemnation. But I have pleasure in them that do them. That's a hard and impenitent 
unrepentive heart. So the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, only evil continually. God had Noah prepare an ark and God gave them a preacher and he waited 120 years. I pray you do not sin against God's goodness, long-suffering and grace for against such there is no remedy. There's no remedy. Ezekiel says this, regardless how people have trouble with this. But Ezekiel says this concerning God. God says, I have, have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Listen to this. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live. But the day of the Lord shall come. After 120 years, God told Noah and his family, get in the ark. And once they got in, God closed the door. And I don't believe it's because Noah would have opened it. Noah's not more compassionate than God. I believe God, by closing the door, meant that that was it. That was the finality of it. It's over. No access. No way in. I'm going to a funeral today from a woman who's died. The door on her has been closed forever. No access. No entry. It's over. If she entered into that door with Christ, she'll exit on the other side in the presence of God. If not before her body was cold, she was in the utter darkness of hell. Separated forever from God. Never again to be seen, recognized, or acknowledged. When God closes the door, my friend, it's closed forever. I hope and pray. If you don't believe the messenger, if you don't believe God's building an ark called his church. At least today, consider not only the depravity and wickedness of your own art, but also that this world, this world lies under the judgment of God. It's a city of destruction. And if you don't flee it and come to Christ, you'll perish with it. Again, every man, woman, and child, every animal that was outside that ark, everything, every living being swept into a deep, dark, watery grave, never to be seen again. I hope and pray that you'll pay attention and listen to that. At least consider that. At least consider that.
and watch what God can do. I'll close with my own personal testimony. Not everyone has the same. I remember growing up, my grandfather was a pastor in the Nazarene church, but he told me one time, he said, son, hell is so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. And one night in Germany, I come home in a drunken stupor, wasn't saved, and I start thinking about those words that came to my heart and my mind and start thinking about them. And we lived out in the country in Germany, no street lights, just very dark, and I put my hand before my face. I could not see it, and I began to seriously consider That's what started it. That's why I'm saying if you just think about what we said this morning about the wickedness of man in the, as in the days of Noah, and begin thinking about that. If it's true, if the preacher's right, and this world is under, under judgment and destruction is coming, maybe I need, like Christian and Pilgrim Progress, to flee this city of destruction and find hope and salvation. I went to the window of my bedroom and there was a clear sky, no moon, nothing, see billions of stars. And I just looked up to heaven and I said, God, I don't know if you're real or not. I have no idea. If you don't show me, I will never know. And I can tell you today, from that very moment, God began dealing with my heart and my life and showing me and directing me to a place to where I could hear the gospel. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God can use the most simplest things. Why do we think people have to be theologians to come to know God? You're a sinner in need of Christ. Simple as that. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? God is merciful. Judgment hasn't come yet. You still have time. Question of is, what are you going to do with that time? Don't wait too long. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you now, Father, that you would bless the preaching of thy word to the hearts and minds of those who've heard. May Christians be, Lord, may they be awakened to the reality of the wickedness of this world that we might Look to people like Noah and others who lived in wicked times. Help us, Lord God, we pray to be just as faithful in preaching the gospel, not intimidated by the mockers and the scoffers, not intimidated by the wickedness of man, but continue to preach the gospel. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Lord God, we pray. Help us to learn next week from Noah, Lord, this man of righteousness that walked in righteousness. I pray that, Lord, you'd be with those amongst us this morning that know not Christ. Lord, though they not believe the message, though they not see the ark being built, the spiritual ark, I pray that, Lord, this morning their hearts and their minds were stirred that they might begin to consider. Lord, your word said, come, let us sit together. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Lord, reason with them this morning by your grace and mercy. Show them their need of Christ. Father, I pray again that, Father, you'd comfort those this day who's, Lord, in sorrow over the loss of loved ones. We pray that, Lord, you'd comfort them in this hour. Lord, I pray that most of all that you'd be honored and glorified in all things. Guide us now, Father, through this day, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.